Hello, and welcome to the Rock Waffle Podcast, Episode 2, Andy Bobro. Now, I got to meet Andy last year at Comic-Con. Um, that was going into Season 3 of uh, Community. Um, and I was uh, working press, and uh, I sent him a tweet, because he said he was... It was a very vague tweet. All it said was, I'm walking the first floor. And I was like, oh crap, he's at Comic-Con. So I mean, it was like, hey, can I get an interview? And it's he, he saw on my Twitter bio, I was doing press for uh, um, Cumulus Media. But uh, he responded back almost immediately. He goes, yeah, let's do it. And he's automatically gave me a follow. He's like, you know, so you can DM me. I was like, awesome. Let's, uh, let's meet outside the, um, the Indigo Room, which is uh, the Hilton uh, Head Hotel right next to Comic-Con, um, or the convention center for Comic-Con. And if you're in the Indigo Room, that means that you're a big deal. You're a big show. Um, and it's, you're, you're waiting like four hours to see a show. And I got there first thing in the morning. I waited in line, uh, got inside the Indigo Room, and Andy came in, and he sent me a DM on Twitter, and uh, he said, hey, I'm here with my cat. <laughs> like, okay. Um, do you still want to do the interview? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just like, I got my cat with me. You know, I'm trying to do the Comic-Con thing. I'm being weird. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't really know what you meant by that. Um, so we went outside and did this really cool interview outside. And we talked about, um, oh, what's the episode? Uh, mixology? Mixology certification. Yeah, yeah. He, he talked about mixology certification because uh, that was like his first real episode he got to help uh, write. And uh, he explained that Dan pretty much took his script and uh, took the whole premise of it, but rewrote it to be more of a sentimental kind of episode instead of it being just strictly funny. And Andy was like, what the hell are you doing? You're destroying my script. You know, it's supposed to be funny. I don't get what you're doing. And it turned out to be the highest rated uh, episode that season. So he was like, yep, this is a good show. Dan knows, knows what the hell he's doing. Um, and ever since then, I've kept, I've kept the uh, communication with Andy, you know, hoping to see him again uh this summer so um this is uh episode two with uh andy bob brow to the center of hawkthorn Bob Brown, uh, the last time we talked, which was at last year's Comic-Con, we talked about the episode Mixology Certification, your second-rated credit for Community, and Jay Chakrasay's car's first Community directing credit. Uh, I still have to say, one of my top favorite episodes. Um, but in Season 3, uh, what was your major role during this uh, past season, and can you give us uh, a quick feel for the writer's room and process for any of the episodes you've helped write? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, 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 so my role was basically the same. I mean, you, 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 uh, uh, uh you go up the, uh, when you're, when you're on a show, you, you, you have different titles based on, there's like the writer's guild sort of specifies what different titles a writer could have. Mm-hmm. And you kind of climb a ladder in terms of title. And that's why you see at the top of a show, you'll see a lot of things that say producer, like the, uh, you know, co-producer, producer, supervising producer, uh, co-executive producer, all those people are writers. And those are just titles that you get uh, by being in the business for a little bit longer. Like every year, each year on the show, my title has changed, uh, but my role on, in the room has been about the same, which is kind of, was just, just one of the writers, uh, but a little bit more senior than most of the others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so 
let's see, in season three, I went season two, I was a, um, uh, uh, producer and, uh, season three, I was a supervising producer. Um, and, uh, uh, but yeah, I was basically just one of the voices in the room. Uh, I had, I don't know, did I have more responsibility? Not really. Uh, um, um, uh, and the room was pretty much the same. You know, we lo- we had some turnover. We lost. Uh, there were four writers who left at the end of season two, so we picked up some new people. Um, and I would say, gosh, what else did I? What was the other question? Oh, the t- two episodes that I wrote in season three were uh, the model UN episode, um, Ge- geography of global conflict. No, mm-hmm. no, I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah. I hate our titles. Right? They don't make any sense. <laughs> when I worked on, when I worked on uh, Malcolm in the Middle, the boss there, Linwood, had a rule that was like no cute titles, <laughs> uh, because when we when, internally when we talk about episodes, we're always going to call them by what they by how we remembered them. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, titles of Malcolm episodes were like Malcolm gets a car. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, it's, it's, it's like trouble. A- you know. with friends where it's like the one where blank. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even want to do that. And but on community it's very different. The rule was Dan always wanted it to be titles that were that could be listed in the course listing of a community college. Yeah. So a lot of them are named after classes. And then also he wanted it to be title uh, combinations of words that you would not be able to find by go- that if you googled those words you wouldn't find any other results other than our title. Oh, I, that's that's pretty interesting. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why uh, there was an episode named Geography of Global Conflict, which is just not a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, it's funny. Well, right before we, we called you, I was uh, trying to remember the, the episode that you wrote in season two. Um, mm-hmm. And immediately Tom's like, oh, yeah, mix all these vacation. I'm like, how did you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just I just call it the bar episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Uh, the, two, I, the other one I wrote this year was called Blankets and Pillows, which was the, a break in our naming convention. We we decided to step out of the naming structure for that episode mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we had, a, you know, our the, the conceit was that this was a documentary we were showing people that had been made by uh, people who were visiting Greendale that week. So we figured it should have the title that they would have given it instead of one of our class titles. Mm-hmm. In the the mid season hiatus, did that affect any of the writing process for any of the story arcs, more in particular? Oh yeah, it. Um, I'll tell you, like we we even in season two, uh, you know, any TV show you're writing twenty two episodes of a sitcom, and you'll start off the year with some sort of big picture thinking about how what types of things should happen this season, mm-hmm. and where we think we want to end up. And we've done that, you know, we did that at the top of season two and we did it at the top of season three. And we, and, but usually you adjust along the way uh, because uh, you just never, it, it, uh, I don't know, I think drama, people who write dramas are much better at figuring out a season long arc for their characters or their show. And yeah. on comics, you just sort of follow the heat. So um, I guess the, I'm giving you the long answer. I don't even know if there's a short answer. It, it, the hiatus, the hiatus obviously did affect our mood and it affected what was happening with us in the room. And it, it was certainly like, it was reflected in a lot of the stories that we wrote after the, after we got that news. Um, but in terms of like, did it throw us off our game? I'd have to say it, it, not exactly because we, it, it's, it, you're going to get thrown off your game in any season of, of a C- TV comedy. Like in season two, we started off thinking we would do certain things and we ended up not. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let me turn off my email. Why would you want to hear my email? 
Oh, I know. <laughs> what a busy guy. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got an email during this conversation. So, yeah, but the hiatus, you know, it did, it definitely, it put a pall over the whole room. I mean, we were just all in a, in a bad mood. And that, we got that news right as I was about to start shooting the, um, the Civil War episode, the Pillows and Blankets, uh-huh. which I call the Civil War episode, or the Pillow Fight, episode, or the Ken Burns episode, um, uh, and uh, it, you know, uh, the thing is, is season three, the, uh, uh, it. Let me try to think about this. When, you know, when we sat down in the in the uh, midsummer, like we started uh, working on that season right after uh, Memorial Day, so it was right around this time of year, and we sat down for a couple weeks. Um, really not breaking stories, but just talking about Dan. Dan started that conversation with he was he was obsessed with the Wire. The, he had just watched all of the Wire in the off season in, in the hiatus. Mm. I guess he was late to that party, uh, <laughs> but he uh, just couldn't stop talking about how they ended each season, especially how they ended the series with this just long montage of characters. Uh, sort of, you know, several months after we after the final scene, just like the characters in the, in their new lives, uh-huh. and he he was really he said, well, "I want to do like we talked for a, like an, a whole week about what could those scenes, let's end season three with that montage and what should those be?" And we were all asked to come. Actually, I should look it up on my phone. Wrote down a list of like um, uh, what uh, what kind of things could happen in that montage. Um, uh, 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 see if I can find this because it's so stupid. Like, I mean, I just wrote like, uh, you know, not burying a body in the desert. Oh, uh, uh, oh, community ending images here. Hold on, I'm going to read. Shirley's about to jump out of an airplane and go skydiving. Uh, um, <laughs> Troy standing back. Troy backstage at the New York Ballet uh, in a tutu, about to go on. Uh, <laughs> Sitting in a chair in an army barrack, getting her head shaved for military service. Um, Wait, what was that last uh, one again? Out to shoot up heroin. <laughs> Jeff burying a body in the desert. Annie pulling a ski mask over her face and kicking in a bank door to rob it. Patty Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pierce stuck in a cage full of monkeys on display for a Chinese oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> Now, why Dan, why Dan did not take any of my suggestions, I will never know. <laughs> well, that, that, that kind of uh, brings me to my next question. Uh, with these, these ideas, these sort of out there, you know, just fun, fun just fun, just having fun. Yeah. Just like, this is insane. Yeah. It, it may never make it in, but I'll just throw it out there. But how do you negotiate just the straight-up jokes versus getting the, the plot to move forward and developing the characters? Um, uh, it always starts with plot and story. Um, uh, it always starts with plot and story. Uh, I, I would say, I guess the longer answer to your question is when we're comedy writers sort of, we kind of, I know to a certain extent, yeah, you write a story and then you sort of, you just sort of decorate it with jokes, but we kind of don't think that way. I don't think any comedy writers really think that way because when you're thinking about stories, you're thinking about funny stories. You're thinking about uh, you're thinking about the comedic angle of a story. Mm. Um, even with those, yeah, those things that I just read you, what are they? Are they jokes or stories? I mean, they're they're they read as jokes, but uh, they're funny because you start immediately when you hear Pierce is in a cage full of monkeys for a Chinese oligarch, you realize. <laughs> 
there's got to be an amazing story behind how he got there. Yeah. So, um, the, the, yeah, I mean, when we're, when we're breaking a story, we're sitting around talking about, uh, uh, what's the right thing to happen for this character? What, or what would be an interesting thing to happen for a character? Where do we want it to go? Like, for example, I guess, uh, you know, with the, with the model UN story, it, that started from uh, one of these series arcs uh, we had settled on uh, against my better judgment. You know, wh- where did I say I wanted it? Oh, Annie was going to be Patty Hearst, uh, in my view. Uh, but the, the room kind of there. Were, by the way, you know, those are a few of my suggestions. But everyone came in with you know ten or fifteen things like that. And we just hashed them all out. Mm-hmm. And uh, where we settled for Annie was we had wanted to make her. We had sort of established that she was. Um, uh, studying uh, uh, healthcare administration, and that she was sort of taking the same. In the, in the bar episode, we had her making kind of a step, almost making a life decision because she was looking ahead at the version of Annie that she was becoming and realizing that she would much rather be this fake uh, girl from Texas who had a much more exciting life, whose ID she stole or that she was using. Uh, uh, and that was meant to be, that was a hint, that was like a little breadcrumb we were dropping for a, a kind of a, a course change for Annie in season three. And we never got there. Uh, but the idea for the Model UN was when we were talking big picture, we were thinking, let's have Annie, we know that she's, uh, uh, you know, a type A, we know that she's obsessed with grades. Uh, let's have her get really challenged by another student this year. Let's have a rival. We want to bring in this rival character, this Asian Annie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wanted a season long, we wanted Asian Annie to really push Annie's buttons. And we were thinking that Annie, this may be spoiler stuff. I don't know. Cause we haven't started brainstorming season four yet. So I may end up giving away some shit that <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Joe's going to get canceled soon anyways. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the, the thought heading into season three was Annie was going to get like really sort of beaten up by this rival and she was going to become obsessed with the something about this rival. This rival is cheating or this rival is not, she's not, she's not actually better than me. Uh, she just thinks she is. And the whole world seems to agree with her. And we were going to have this turn into a thing where Annie then becomes obsessed with a perceived crime. She, she, she wants to prove Asian Annie is guilty of, um, uh, of, um, of cheating and no one believes her, but she find by the end of season three, we were going to have Annie like proven right. And we were going to have that be the cause of her to decide that I don't want to be in healthcare administration. I want to be, uh, I want to go into forensics mm. oh, wow. uh, because I really get off on this CSI shit. <laughs> um, and so, and that was our thought for season three. And as you can see, uh, we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, why did how did I get into this? You were just asking about story versus jokes, but I guess that's a good illustration of that's us thinking about a story that has a lot of comedic potential. Like, you know, when you're sitting in the room, you're thinking about that as a story and you're not really pressuring yourself to make it funny, but it's your instinct anyways to go like, well, um, this is a juicy story, and we know, especially because of we know the character, we know Annie's personality. We know that it would be funny, and we would. We're. It's almost like you're thinking about a story, and you're thinking, "Am I confident without having jokes right now? Do I believe that there would be jokes in this story?" That's sort of how you settle on a story in a in a, in a sitcom. You go like, "Well, would there be? Is there a comedic angle that we can play? Is there a, is there a tune we can sing in this story that'll be fun?" Uh, if, you know, cause if the story we were kicking around was, uh, both of Annie's parents are going to die this season, 
we would probably avoid that story because it doesn't seem funny just yet. I mean, you could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, just death of parents. It's not funny yet. It will be. But... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It can be. It's funny. Well, was that kind of the the inspiration for the Ken Burns episode? Just just think about that and like this has the potential to be a really fun comedic landscape. That was mostly Dan. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we did, you know, the, the original pillow fort, uh, idea showed up in the middle of this other, of this, uh, conspiracy theories episode. Mm. And Dan always felt Dan and Chris both always felt that, uh, this is a good example. It's like, that is a juicy idea, uh, that they felt like they, they didn't have enough fun with it in that episode. Like it, it was serving some other story. But the idea of Troy and um, Abed building a, a, a pillow fort that turns into something so much bigger that, you know, that becomes that consumes the, the entire campus. Dan sort of ended season two thinking that was a, sort of on his wish list of like, if we, we ought to revisit the pillow and blanket fort idea mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't do we didn't have an, as much fun with it as it needed. Uh, uh, and so. That was sort of on our wish list for season three. Was let's do let's let's definitely hit the pillow and blanket fort. You know, there's inside jokes in there too. Like when we when that story was originally written, it was a pillow fort, and the production people t- came to Dan because we're always running behind schedule. The way that show works, we just it's always seat of the pants. Mm-hmm. And the production team came to Dan and said, it, uh, "We literally don't have enough time to construct a pillow fort." Uh, but we can make a blanket fort. Uh, that's oh. easy. You just drape blankets over a wood frame. Yeah. And uh, Dan was like, all right, fine. It's not as cool, but whatever. Okay, fuck you. I hate you. Uh, I'm going to drink. Uh, you know, uh, and so, you know, we made that. They, uh, what did they, did they, they called it Fluffy Town. And it was a pillow. For, uh, it was sort of a, it was a, it was a nitpick that Dan and Chris both had with the episode was, uh, I think, in conspiracy theories, they called it a pillow fort, but it was clearly a blanket fort. And yeah. no one gave a fuck. No one but Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know. It was, it, it's, that, it's that five-year-old kid like, no, I made a blanket fort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, going into season three, that was uh, the only thought in his head was we should revisit the pillow fort. Um and uh, and Chris and I started to break this story, and I don't remember how it happened that we wanted to do it. It should turn into a civil war. I think you know there were other ingredients that had happened. Some seeds we planted in season two, and more in season three was a rift between Troy and Abed, uh, and that was important to Dan. There's a good example of like there's a story that Dan wanted to to explore that has nothing funny about it. Um, but that's part of the magic of community too, is that having just walked you guys through this process where I said, we don't consider stories unless we know how they're going to be funny. Now I'm, now I'm breaking that rule by saying Dan was, Dan really wanted to explore a problem between Troy and Abed because it felt true to life. And I think that's one of the things that fans really respond to as much as it, you know, fans had, you know, we dragged fans into this thing that was uncomfortable, uh, cause they love the bromance. Um, but Dan was very adamant that like, because Abed is based on a real person in Dan's life. This guy named Abed, um, yeah, from channel 101. Yeah. From channel 101. Yeah. Abed Geish, Abed Geish, I think. And, um, Dan has stories about Abed, you know, uh, being sort of on the spectrum. And, uh, one of the, one of the sad realities about those people is that, that they, 
they watch, you know, they, they can get accepted and mainstreamed and, and have friends. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, they come up against a wall that is like the reality that people who don't have this, uh, this mental affliction um, are growing and changing in ways that, I've j- that I'm not going to do. So Dan really wanted to explore that sad story of like pe- Troy's, Troy's a real dude and Abed is, um, ha- has a, a mental condition that sort of keeps him from growing. You know, Troy's going to, in my mind, Troy's the secret uh, star of the show. Troy, Troy's actually the protagonist. It's not Jeff Winger because mm-hmm. uh, uh, Troy, Troy uh, we've watched him grow up and that was the important thing about that bar episode too was like he he's the one of all the people stuck in that situation troy's becoming a man <laughs> and jeff is jeff entered as a you know as a fake man and he became a five-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah well yeah, yeah. also uh I, I just i just realized this during the remedial chaos theory the the darkest timeline was when troy went up to get the pizza yes which i, I thought was interesting absolutely Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, right. Because Troy's the hero. Troy's Troy's the re- Troy's the only real person. <laughs> yeah. Although now I'm talking. A little, yeah. You know, Dan would have to explain this a, a little better. Um, anyway, what was my point? Oh, so we went into the Civil War thinking, or the the blanket fort thinking. Okay, they're gonna. So now we know that we want to explore the blanket, and this would probably be the right time to. Why don't we have fun with the idea that uh, no one but Dan Harmon seems to care? There's a difference between blankets and pillows, mm-hmm. and Dan is Abed in many ways, um, and uh, uh, so it just it's that was an example of us sort of processing the shit that we're going through in real life, processing that that uncomfortable discussion Dan had to have with the with the uh, uh, art department that we can't do pillow fort, so your episode can't be perfect. And Dan having to live with that, and Dan just being smart enough to go, oh, I'm Abed in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's play that out, and then and then it. Uh, for most of the time, Chris and I were trying to break that story, and we were thinking it was it was going to be uh, an episode. It was going to be one episode where uh, they build this fort. There's a rift. There's a fight, and um, and that. Um, uh, it turns into a battle and that the whole story would be told Ken Burns style. And then Chris, uh, who's much smarter at story stuff than me at a certain point, like a week or so into it, he said, we can't do, we, we probably just shouldn't do this in one episode. We should do one normal episode or one sort of real time episode where we see the, the seeds are sown for the, you know, where you see the blanket fort play out and the rift between them. And then we can use Laybourne, uh, John Goodman, and stuff to, to really create the, you know, to get right up to the battle. And that was a fun episode because we snuck that, we portrayed that as a sea story. Um, and it became the end of, you know, by the end of the episode, you realized, Oh shit, this thing that's been happening off to the side uh, actually, you know, didn't resolve the way sea stories are supposed to. (laughs) It it, it refused to resolve and it became a cliffhanger. And uh, we were, I was really proud of that. And then, and we got to do Civil War, which was um, something Dan had wanted to do, not just because it was seemed like a cool genre genre thing, and that's that's community's uh, bread and butter is to do genre things, but also because it's real cheap, and uh, <laughs> uh, you always we're halfway through a season, we're always looking for ways to save money, and the idea of doing an episode that's mostly still photographs. Uh, was incredibly appealing to him, and it was it was a way that he could shut. Uh, there's a, there's a dozen phone calls a week from Sony to Dan saying like you're you're over budget. What are you going to do yeah. to get back on budget? 
and it was a way for Dan to stop those phone calls by saying, we're going to do an episode that's all still photographs. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, Great. You know. just go, go, to the, go to the Ken Burns button on Final Cut, and then, yeah. there you go. <laughs> well, like you are saying, though, like, you know, certain things cause trouble, and I guess, like, going over budget. Um, was there anything else during the season that was like, Dan, like, oh, we got to fix this. Like, what can we do? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's constant improvisation happening. The, oh, gosh. Well, uh, uh, one good, one example is the foosball. I'm not sure we were, I don't know if that's an example of uh, we have to fix it, but in the foosball episode, um, uh, uh, Dan was looking for, it's funny. I don't remember the phrase he used, but he's, he, every once in a while he'll say like, "Where's the cotton candy? Like, where, where's the where's the where, where's the popcorn in this one? Like, where's the where's the candy?" He's always sort of looking for like, we need to give people some bread and circuses on this show. Yeah. Um, and and in a uh, you know that was it was sort of like we we love the idea of of uh, foosball being annoying. I, I it's like that's one of those things. Uh, as soon as someone pitched that in the room, everyone. Everyone, I don't remember if it was Chris Kula or if it was um, Dan. I'm not sure. But as soon as someone talked about foosball, there's this foosball table on our set that we've never had any fun with. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and uh, someone said, every time, I've been, every time I've seen people playing foosball, they were douches. Uh, and then it's like, uh, that's what we're going to do. And then I, don't, I think it must have been Harmon who was like, they must be German because of the word foosball. Uh, so we just created these German characters who were just, and then, it, you know, it became this thing where, okay, Jeff is going to, we love Jeff and Shirley stories. We don't do them often enough and they're a really cute pair mm-hmm. and Jeff and Shirley. And we, we sort of latched onto this. They're going to have, oh my God, they cross paths in their childhood and they're part of each other's origination stories. Like she was the mean girl who made him become Jeff Winger, you know, heart, you know, uh, slicker on the outside. And, and, um, he was, you know, that was the incident that made her change her ways and become more and become Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like this really great confluence of events, but hitting up against the reality that now in an episode like that, you're just craving an, some sort of climax and we, you know we figured it's gonna be there's gonna be there's got to be some epic battle between you know jeff and shirley on one side and the german guys on the other mm-hmm. and that's how that story was for for you know several iterations and i think part of it was we just don't you know are we are we going to be able to film in order to do a, a football fight and have it be the triumphant battle scene like a climactic set piece to really shoot it like that movie what was that soccer movie with sylvester stallone uh oh. uh you know what that was? No. It, it was Pele in it. it. Pele was in it. It's my wife's favorite movie because she's a soccer geek. Yeah. <laughs> and, or or, or uh, The Longest Yard. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, it, in order to do that, you're going to have to you have to get special cameras. You're going to have to get those little lipstick cameras that go inside the table because you want to get in there with the players to shoot foosball as an action show. Oh, you, you can't do that unless you have an extra week and unless you have some some superstar director. So, you know, uh, you know, it's like we're always dealing with, oh, Sony's going to say no. Uh, uh, and so the, the animation in that episode became a, a kludge. It became uh, 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 killing two birds with one stone. A, uh, it's a way to do it on budget. And B, it's, it's the cotton candy that we've been missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who, who, who thought of the whole, like, anime, like, manga for it? So that was Dan, and I still, to this day we don't understand why he settled on it. But that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, that's a, that's a great decision. It's just I think it's just because he's from that certain era. 
he just it was something he felt he saw in I don't know he just saw it that way he wanted it to be that way mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm not sure and we we also we tried to justify it in one draft we were talking about how they both collected these tamagotchis or the like the, maybe it was part of the year that they were where they intersected what year would that have been that would have been early 90s I guess yeah mm-hmm. we tried to sort of I don't even know anime matches that era. Um, but it, yeah, it was just Dan going. Let's yeah, it should be this style because this is cool. Dan, Dan's the arbiter of cool. Well, because it was funny when I was watching, I was like, I get it. Yeah, but I was like, but you know, if a fifty-year-old was watching, they'd be like, what just happened? Yeah, that's what Twitter said. Twitter and maps said, what the hell just happened? It's <laughs> funny. Is there anything else that um you want to touch or touch base with on what we're talking about? Or? Oh gosh. Other examples of, of like improvisations that uh, let me think about that. Um, well, certainly, you know, the final episode, or I mean, not the final episode, the the eight bit video game episode was another example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, this is a good segue because you were you wanted to talk about the show order, the air order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can explain that. Yeah, there was a little bit of uh, I guess yeah. There's a lot of talk about like what. Um, what happened with those final three episodes? Why did they? Why did the production numbers seem out of order? Blah blah blah. And it's really it's not it's not a case of NBC screwing us in any way. They they uh, it, it's more a case of us kind of screwing ourselves by not being organized enough. Uh, but we were going as we were heading into the end of the season, and Dan you know has in mind. We honestly we we tried you know with these ending images that we had talked about. Uh, we had them on the board for all year. Like we had, we had ending images figured out for each character, and we were trying to figure out checkpoints. So certain episodes were de- were definitely meant to progress one particular character mm-hmm. towards their ending uh, image. Uh, Troy and uh, you know uh, one of the ending images is Troy. This was confusing for a lot of people. It was for me too because uh i i wasn't sure where we ended up but there's a shot of 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 what looks like Britta, uh, uh, troy and abed are, are shutting down the dreamatorium mm-hmm. and Britta's walking in there with a box mm-hmm. uh, with troy yeah, yeah. um and i i called the other writers because this was long after we wrapped and i was like wait a minute it, it, dan just sort of put that thing together in one in the final days of shooting and we were all so burnt out that very few of us we knew what he was doing yeah and i called megan and i was like did we just say that troy that brit is moving in with troy and she said no i think it's that um <laughs> we were like fans on reddit we were like trying to figure out what the show is doing <laughs> <laughs> go to reddit you know no 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 andy you silly fool it's yeah. uh, 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 uh abed and troy are um getting separate bedrooms the dreamatorium is becoming troy's bedroom hmm. because He's going to start having conjugal visits with Britta. Ah, yeah. Uh, and so Abed made himself a tiny dreamatory closet in inside the uh, <laughs> what was Annie's bed, you know, inside the blanket fort uh, bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, which is now Abed's bedroom all alone. And Troy now gets the former dreamatorium for his own bedroom. Uh, but um, so yeah, that's an example of. So we knew that we wanted to progress Troy and Britta towards the end of the season. We wanted to have certain points where they, we wanted to sort of check in on them. They had a moment in the Chaos Theory episode, definitely uh, in, in most of those times they had a moment. Uh, and then there was another one in, in the other Dreamatorium episode. It was a date 
between Troy and Britta that mm-hmm. Annie wanted to make happen because she saw the chemistry. She saw Britta's longing for Troy and she wanted to make it happen. And it was getting on Abed's nerves. And that's what caused that episode to happen. So that's a good example of us actually, actually doing what we set out to do at the top of the season. Like we, we progressed Troy and Britta so that we could have an ending shot of them uh, uh, being a couple, mm-hmm. uh, at least a lot closer to being a couple. Um, um, well, real quick, you um you mentioned Reddit and stuff, and uh, how has it been becoming these sort of honorary ambassador from the writing staff? Because it, it seems like everyone's been flocking to your Twitter, and, and I've seen people have been you know, messaging you and replying to you like, "Oh, what's what's this?" Yeah. Well, even too, I, I saw Asian Annie like the day after episode end. She's like, "I'm on Reddit now, AMA." Like, yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, uh, you know how that happened was when we went, oh, when we got pulled off the schedule, um, that first uh, Thursday after the new, wait, wait uh, was this the whole hashtag six season of the movie? Yeah. No, I'm trying to remember at, at a certain point, maybe, uh, yeah, at a certain point, um, Neil Goldman sort of punked me. Like he just, Neil, Neil has a lot of Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that many uh, and Neil just announced one Thursday, uh, uh, Andy Barbara will be answering all your community <laughs> questions. <too. laughs> what? <laughs> um, and um, I uh, oh, early in the season, Dan. Someone people always ask Dan questions about Blu-ray. When are the Blu-ray discs coming out? And oh, Dan, yeah. uh, just uh, as a, also just as a fuck you to me, or just as a. a, a a friendly fuck you to me. Dan restarted referring those questions to me, <laughs> which I, I have no knowledge. But everyone on Twitter was like, they assumed, oh, this A. Bobro character on Twitter must be the Sony Blu-ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he must be that guy. Oh, <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> so, and then I just started making a joke about it. I created a whole mythology about how Blu-rays are created using using bee colonies. Like, uh, I started answering people's questions. People, I, I, Say as you as I'm sure you know, Blu-ray discs are very expensive to make because they're made by bees. Yeah. Uh, so uh, also you know, also the bees are disappearing, which makes the prices go up even and also, more. As I'm sure you aware, this is not a simple proposition. <laughs> so I just started having fun with it, and there's still a lot of people who take me seriously on it. Um, oh, anyway, so that happened, and then I just became the the the. the uh, <laughs> The scapegoat. So Mill did that me one Thursday, and I was like, "All right, uh, uh, this will be kind of fun." And I got a ton of new Twitter followers, uh, which is intoxicating. Yeah. <laughs> it was like all of a sudden, hey, I've got clout. You know, it's like, power. wow, I've got power. And I enjoyed engaging with the fans because it's something that just doesn't happen on other shows. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I discovered Reddit. I don't know how. Uh, it's, or, oh, someone told me, Megan was talking about, I did an AMA and I had never heard that expression. I didn't know what it was. And I'm jealous of Megan because she's younger and better than me. <laughs> why, why does young Megan need to do all this cool stuff? You know, I, I don't want to become irrelevant. Yeah. So I started lurking on Reddit. And then I sort of, and then I just started answering a couple questions, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was very fun for me. Yeah, well, you're ahead of me. I'm still working. I still yet to register. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it, and also because I'm really aware um, that I don't I don't think this happens on other shows. It hasn't happened on any other shows that I've worked on. Um, I suppose it might have happened on Malcolm in the Middle had that had the internet been more mature at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's it's like I, I just became really aware that with all the pain, it's really hard to work on community. The hours are terrible. Um, uh, but um, this has to be this this sort of Twitter, Reddit, and this engagement with the fans is definitely one of the rewards for the hard work. Yeah, because uh, you don't get that as a TV writer. Like I, I love it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it just makes me. I don't know. It, it's and it's one of the reasons I was like, I, oh my god, I have to stay. Um, to, uh, cause after the, I know you also, you guys also want to talk about the, the Dan Harmon fiasco. Huh, yeah. Maybe we can segue to that. Cause that would, that definitely weighed into my decision of like, Oh, to, to leave the show would mean like giving up these fans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I could go work on suburgatory. It's a perfectly lovely show. I'm not, I don't know if I could, I don't know if they would hire me, but I had, a, yes. but you know, as an but I don't know if the fans. Would, I don't know if there's a. I don't know if it would be the same. Like it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the love fest that we get. Oh from yeah. Our- I, I I still remember at the the first time you guys went to uh, Comic Con. I remember um, Gillian, oh, my- Gillian coming out and she was just like in tears because I mean, you guys were in the Indigo Indigo room. The Indigo room is for yeah. big shows. And it was yeah. the first season. And we're like, holy shit! And then DJ Steve Porter did the remakes and like, of course, everyone's just reacting to it. I mean, it was in, it was insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't really know any other shows that have that whole clout to it because before it was like some really shitty sci-fi show in that room and like yeah. no, nobody was in there. I'm like, what the hell? Why are they in here? And then like next, you know, just room explodes and like everyone's <laughs> tweeting. I mean, like, you know, it's it's built for that. And it's like it's um, any other show is going to try to try to copy or mimic that whole like fan base. But yeah, you, but, but you can't just reach out for that. I mean, it has to happen completely organic and yeah and i guess that's yeah. the whole thing too why there's so many fans freaking out like oh my god dan harman has gone that organicness is gonna go away i mean it, it's not but, but you know at the same time i mean like yeah it's it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a whole worry oh yeah yeah and believe me i'm freaking out with them i mean uh uh we all like i definitely went through several stages of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, i went through a, a huge roller coaster when that happened mm-hmm. um because i agree with the fans like that this is how how is the show going to work without him like um uh it's it can't be the same it can't be his show anymore mm-hmm. um and so uh, and i was definitely angry like i don't even feel like i know i said at the start of this uh before the interview started i was like i'm gonna have to dance around certain subjects because i don't want to piss off Sony or anything but i feel perfectly comfortable saying uh that i was angry when i heard the news um because it's like, don't, I mean, yeah, there's no secret. There's, there's no secret. If you read Dan's blog or if you go to Harmontown or whatever, mm-hmm. there's no secret that there's, ten, there's always been tension between him and the suits. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. there is between any showrunner and any uh, executives, but it was particularly contentious between him. And he's just not a guy who, you know, it's, he's a bull in a China shop and he loves that role. He loves being that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm not sure. And I, t- to this day, like I, I have no inside information about why the decision was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm with all the fans and thinking that I'm just speculating. It, it seems personal. Mm-hmm. It seems like it, it seems like the decision was we just don't want to work with that fucker again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's also I, I'm sure that it's also justifiable as a business decision mm-hmm. because the show uh, never did achieve mainstream status. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know my anger I definitely was angry and. Um, uh, because I thought, well, okay, given that the show never got mainstream, it did get cult status and it got, yeah. got cult like through the roof. And you can't tell me that it's going to, I mean, 
Which 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 is totally true because I remember there was some really creepy video on YouTube of people doing like freeze frames or really slowing down like a clip down to like one percent between like <laughs> Jeff and Annie. Yeah. And then, and then you guys did an episode on it, right? Like, remember, like they're doing the jump rope. I'm like, oh my god, that's the YouTube clip. I mean, like no other yes. show that is on a on a fucking network has done that. I mean, like you know, for real. I mean, like it's insane. <laughs> Right, right. And also the beautiful thing about it is that we have a dialogue with our fans. Like someone will say something to us and we will uh, and we'll respond to it in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I was angry about the decision and I was like, uh, uh, you know, the, the logistics of how these things work, uh, when you sign a deal to work, when I signed on to work on the show, it's very, it's typical, the typical thing is for a writer, like a staff writer, is you, the studio will sort of lock you in for three seasons, mm-hmm. they'll say, and the, and the raises are negotiated. So like I was hired as a producer uh, to work on season two, and then it was already negotiated that in season three, if Sony wants me back, I'll be a supervising producer. Mm-hmm. This much more money per episode, and then in season four, if Sony still wants me back, I'll be a co-executive producer, and I'll get even more. I'm actually getting a nice salary bump this season. <laughs> not that, not that you guys need to know that. Well, congrats. But, hey, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so so, uh, and that's a that's a contract that basically says this is at the studio's discretion. So I a lot of what I went through was at the end of season three. I was like, well, you know, it's kind of. The decision to come back or not is kind of out of my hands. As I signed a piece of paper that said I would come back as long as the studio wants me back. Mm-hmm. And so on that level, I was like, okay, I guess I have to. But then when we got the news that Dan was fired, I was like, oh, uh, now um, that's a tough assignment. Um, yeah. You know, going back to season four of a show that, that we know that the fans are going to hate it, or and not hate it, they're going to they're going to be very critical. Uh, you know, I mean, I can predict already what's going to happen in September. This is like not um, this is not hard to game out. The first episode will air on that first Friday. It'll get a decent number. It won't get the a decent number of IR standards. I mean, we were getting one point fours on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get like a one or a point nine, which will be an OK number for a Friday at eight thirty. And that'll be because most of the fans are what are, are checking to see if the new community sucks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, or actually, you know what? We may not get a decent number that Friday because most of our fans don't watch it on TV. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, I have to admit, I mean, for the first two seasons, I was a total, like, tuning in. And then, of course, you know, work got into play. And now I'm a complete iTunes pass, you know? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, what will happen is after that first airing, you know, the, the, the Twitter and Reddit and the blogs and the, and the critics will all conclude that um, – well, it's an okay TV show, but it's not community. Uh, and then we'll, and then the the second Friday, we're gonna our numbers are gonna go down. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, this is me calling my agent and saying, how do I? Why do I want to be part of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and him saying, um, you need to think about your career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. Uh, there are very few when you're a TV writer. When you're a comedy writer, there are five employers. Mm. Uh, there's uh, Sony, Warner Brothers, Twentieth. Uh, 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 ABC Studios um, and uh, and uh, uh, CBS Viacom. Uh, uh-huh. Those are the people who hire me. So you know, it's like don't don't be a dick to one of them. Network, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And there's me going, yeah, but I mean, uh, th- will I be known as one of the people who brought down the show? Uh, mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, you'll be. Uh, 
the conversation went back and forth and he was like, you'll be very important there. Uh, you'll be one of the few senior people. You'll be the most senior person who stayed. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's important to me. And that is a good challenge for me. And I'll tell you what sealed it was I sat down after, uh, after I talked to the new guys, uh, David and, and Moses, and they're really nice guys. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that they quite understood. I, I think when they took the job, they didn't quite realize how cultish it was. Uh -huh. uh, and when they first talked to me, uh, I, I confessed to them, like they said, well, they asked a lot of questions about the process and how shows are broken and all that. And I, I talked for about 15 minutes and then I stopped myself and I said, I must seem to you like, um, Dennis Hopper in apocalypse now, <laughs> <laughs> because most of what I'm saying is like, but he's a genius. I mean, you do not understand. I mean, he's a, he's a big man. I'm a little man. You know, it's that kind of conversation. Um, after I met with them and they, they met with all of us individually. And then I sat down with, with Megan, uh, and we were both like, how do we do this? This is so hard. And why would they do? Why did they? And we all definitely had our issues with Dan. Like he was a difficult person to work for. He was never mean to us, but his process is exhausting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, it was like, oh, but I, th there's no way this feels like good news to me. I mean, it's just like I want to work on the I want to work on the show that Twitter loves, and I don't, and Twitter's going to stop loving it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then uh, in a break in the conversation, she and I started talking about like, well. Uh, Whatever the hell we do for episode 401, it's got to play off of this shit. Yeah. Uh, because the show has this proud tradition of, of um, a dialogue with our fans and playing off of stuff in the real world. Yeah. And then we talked for about 20 minutes about what we could do in episode one. And then, we, and then there was a lull, and I said, this conversation has been, has been the most fun I've had since getting the news that Dan uh, was at. <laughs> she said, me too. And I said, well, if we can do this, then we can if, – if you'll stay, I'll stay. And so that's how we decided to stay. <laughs> and, then, and then the next thing – the next conversation we had was we said, well, we need to talk – we need to ask those the new guys point blank. Like do they intend to let us sort of take a leadership role in this? Yeah. Mm. And they're the nicest guys in the world. And they said, yes, we're counting on the the – veteran we're counting on the existing staff to to make keep this keep the soul of the show intact yeah and i was like fantastic so that's our that's our uh we're just we're gonna try to make a community and it obviously won't be dan's community um but we're just gonna just gonna see how it works well, well i mean uh, like what you're saying you know with the dialogue with the fans i mean like that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping that somehow you guys are able to for 401 to somehow voice yeah dan's gone or like you know if you're mad, yeah. you know, like, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to, yeah. it would be either we have to, or, or uh, we have to not do that in a very conspicuous way that, that winks to the audience and says, <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like every hallway has like a, a billboard with something on it. They have to like, look for, you know, or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, with the, the actual writing process, are y'all still going to continue with, Dan's kind of area embryo outline yeah, process. I, I believe so. I mean, we actually haven't started up yet. We I go back to work on Monday, so you're catching me at a at a really weird time. <laughs> mm. We should have another. Maybe we should have another interview in a in a week. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, but uh, yes, definitely. Uh, that 
that weird that story circle thing that he sort of he didn't really invent it, but he he really perfected it. Um, it's sort of an adaptation of the hero's journey. Hmm. Um, uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sort of storytelling story structure uh, system. Um, and uh, once you start once you start working that way, it's really hard not to. Mm. Um, and uh, so yes, definitely. Uh, I and and I actually have to go. <laughs> well, that was great. Yeah, that's, that's a great note to end on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. This is great. Yeah, but I, I wish I could give you a hug right now. But thank you so much, Andy, for the interview. I mean, oh, thank great. you. Guys. Uh, uh, yeah, I I love this stuff. All right. Well, have have uh, have a good weekend. Uh, we'll be we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.